All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another edition of Shabbat Lounge. This is Matt. And Jake here. And Jake, we need people to, to know about something. Um, and what is it that we, uh, we want to talk about? Well, first, uh, we want people to go to the website, sabbathlounge.com, and uh, there you can find all kinds of things. We have the Torah portions there uh, all laid out. You can click on them, pull up tabs, and uh, read the whole thing. It's uh, Torah portions made easy. And right. so it's got uh, Torah in 60 seconds. It's got uh, hyperlinks to the text and uh, even some of our notes. Yep. And then uh, comics from our friend Joshua Myers. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's a it's a great resource if you get together with people, have a group, have a fellowship. It it's uh, it puts it at your fingertips and it's just kind of a one click resource and it's free, and uh, we want you to to use it. Right. If, if also, you... there's a fellowship finder on there, mm-hmm. so you can check that out. And then uh, also, we just want people to check out uh, all the social medias and uh, find us on there and share it with your friends. Yep. If you just Google Sabbath Lounge. You'll find us on multiple platforms and multiple things. We try a little bit of everything. And uh, and also, I have to put a shameless plug in. I didn't okay, tell you I perfect. was going to do this. So, I, you know, I do have a book that's coming out with Deborah Publishing, uh, set to publish uh, sometime before the year's up. And so look for that. It's Becoming Jacob. And... Um, yeah, it, it's um, getting close, but we don't have a date yet, but that, it will come out uh, sometime this year. So stay tuned for updates on that. Yep. And that's a it's a story about how God answered prayers. And, you know, he answered my prayer growing up without a father. And I prayed that he would send me a father and he sent me three fathers along the way. So I guess it took three three grown men to <laughs> mold me into a man. So I don't know what that says. You're almost there. Almost. Almost. All right. So, Jake, I I think we've got something else that we're doing today. And so. Right. We're not just here plugging ourselves all day. But uh, so today we're uh, visited in studio by the power of technology with uh, Digital Pastor Jim, who we found on TikTok. And uh, he is the shalomiest of homies. So uh, (laughs) Digital Pastor Jim, welcome. Hey, shalomi, my homies. How the heaven are you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> doing great well we appreciate you uh taking the time to join us this evening and uh we uh, we hope you're doing good today yeah yeah i am thank you for for asking me to to join you guys and to share my my road on the journey and i'm really excited i, I watched a lot of your videos recently and and uh, i love the whole attitude and spirit you guys pursue this this is wonderful well, we appreciate that. So, and we we share that sentiment about you as well. Uh, you know, you make us laugh uh, with all the different things that you do. And so, so tell us a minute. Like, if somebody is new to you, how do they find you? Where do they go? So, um, I live here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, Wait, of course, need an address. Just- <laughs> oh, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, come knock on my door. Just not yet. Uh, yeah. So we're on uh, we're on TikTok. Uh, uh, my tagline is Digital Pastor Jim, the Wild Branch Ministries, the Wild Branch grafted into the root of Israel, and uh, also on Facebook under Wild Branch Ministries. And we're in the process of developing our web page that should be done in a in a few weeks. And that's also Wild Branch Ministries. Uh, dot net and uh you can email me call me whatever i'm pretty pretty accessible great yeah um romans 11 that's a key verse early on in uh, in my torah walk also 
Yeah. Amen. Well, it's more than a verse. It's a whole chapter. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Well, good. Well, we encourage our, our audience to go check you out and uh, watch your content and, and do the same thing, you know, like share, subscribe and follow you. And, um, sure. Look, we look forward to seeing your website and, and what all you do with that. And then I've watched before that you have uh, a video production. So you had a vi- I've seen you do a video production where you did like um, the Torah Zone. You did something with that. <laughs> and then you did something with Yashurn Music. Yes, yes. Caleb Camaro. So uh, Caleb and Joy, I met Caleb on TikTok. And uh so we made friends uh, on TikTok and then uh, through Facebook. And then I was going to be where he lives in Tennessee. I was going there visiting some other friends. So we stopped and had dinner with uh, Caleb and his wife, Joy. And we just hit it off. We became fast friends. And um, so then he drives cross country. So he's come to visit us several times uh, here in Colorado Springs. And uh, um, yeah, so we, we're really excited to be a part of promoting their ministry and seeing what God's doing there. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then I've met, um, you've probably seen Haste of Torah with Yitzhak on TikTok. And, uh, he lives in San Diego, California. And I was out there last winter. I went and visited him (laughs) and that was, uh, that was awesome. He's hilarious. And, uh, so I've just been kind of, you know, uh, making friends and getting to know people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that is something pretty amazing that we found in, especially the platform of TikTok, there's quite a large following and quite a few people that are in this uh, Torah observant or Torah pursuant community. And uh, it's, right, it's right. refreshing and, and uh, to find out that there's others. And we, I think we need to do more together. You know, sometimes it's easy to, some people get bogged down in, in uh, ridiculous arguments at times with people and uh, it's good for us to talk because sometimes, you know, you can feel kind of beat down. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, well, we, we had a few questions for you. And my, my first question was, you know, how, how did you get the name Digital Pastor Jim? <laughs> that's, a, that's a really weird answer to that question. So it was a few years ago. I was an associate pastor <clears throat> at a Calvary Chapel here in Colorado Springs. And... Um, uh, through a series of events, uh, many years ago, I was uh, with a church in Ventura, California, and a young lady there, her and her husband had hosted me. I was in a ministry training program in Ventura, and I found came across her on TikTok. Her name was Kitty, and um, Kitty and her husband, we got to be friends through Facebook, and they're very, very prophetic in a, in a very legitimate way. Um, you know, sometimes prophetic people, I'm like, eh, okay, whatever. But but these guys are legit. So he, he I had he messaged him. I want him to pray for me and get some insight. And he said, he said, I don't know what this is, but he said, I feel like God has given me a word for you. And I don't know if you guys are comfortable with this or know much about this kind of stuff. But but you know, he said, I think God wants to give you a digital ministry online. And he does a lot of ministry online himself and has for many years. And he said, I think God wants you to be a digital pastor. And uh, there was more to it than that, but that was just the introduction and uh, to what he had to share with me. And so uh, so I was like, Lord, I don't understand. What is it, what is it you're asking me to do? But um, I, I, I didn't like TikTok. I found it irritating. <laughs> I preferred Facebook, but I felt like the Lord was encouraging me to explore 
doing videos on TikTok. And so I've been doing it for about a year and a half now. And um, started off with just not even knowing what to say. And now, uh, now you know, uh, I think, you know, I've developed a lot of friendships through that. I've learned a lot. I've had people challenge my theology and my perspective and what I believe. And it's actually been extremely educational. I, you know, uh, being a, I was a children's pastor for several years in Grand Junction and, uh, and then also an associate pastor here in Colorado Springs for a couple different churches. So um, I can be long-winded. <laughs> I know, I know, which is hard to imagine, I'm sure. We'll but, do this one when the time's up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what TikTok did is it forced me to get to the point in three minutes or less. And so, uh, which was actually a really healthy exercise for me. And so, uh, you know, so that's what I did. Now they expanded to 10 minutes. I still try to keep it under four or five minutes if I'm doing a video. And, um, and that's hard on one level, but super valuable because people yeah. have a very short attention span. Right. And it helps me to get my thoughts focused and move forward directly to the point. Yeah. Yeah. It helps you kind of hone what you, what the important thing to say is and, right. and leave out the fluff. Yes. Yeah. Cause uh, one of the things I like this <laughs> Matt and I talk about is, you know, early on when you get into Torah, it's like you go dump your bag of seed out on someone. And then it's like, that's not how you plant things. It's little seeds at a time. So. Exactly. Um, it keeps you from dumping your whole bag of seed at once. <laughs> yes. Amen. Well, and it's amazing yeah. how y'all can teach you different things and through something that you wouldn't expect him to teach you through. Like, uh, right. you know, through TikTok, who would think? Um, but, yeah. But, yeah. You, but, you know, I think if Paul was alive today, he would use TikTok. You know, he, he would... Um, yeah, it would be a tool in his hands and it should be for us. I agree. That was the other part of this prophetic word this guy had given me. He said, you know, Jim, the apostle Paul used the Roman roads to get the gospel out to the entire world. The Roman roads were originally built to tax people and to bring them into subjugation to the Roman empire. <laughs> wow. He said Christians, at least when he first started his ministry 10 or 15 years ago, were afraid of the internet. They're afraid of what it does, of, yeah. of the, the volatility and the exposure. He said, but I charged ahead. He said, I encourage you to charge ahead as well uh, and let God make you what he's called you to be there and, and encourage people and bring hope and, and strength. And so uh, he said, he literally said, it's like the Roman road of today. The enemy uses it for great evil. I mean, 80% yeah. of the internet traffic is porn. <laughs> and that's horrible. Um, yeah. But yeah. but we find friendships and ability to encourage people and bring hope and strength to people's lives by using the same road. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. That's an awesome story. I yeah, didn't expect it to be, yeah, it's to be great. that. <laughs> yeah, if the, uh, if the darkness is all that's out there, it's going to be dark. So you need to take the light where the darkness is, so. Well, and you, uh, excuse me, you, you briefly touched on it, but how did you go from, I'd call it normie pastor to, uh, to what you do today? So. Yeah. So, um, it was, uh, it was now as a kid, I grew, I was raised Luther, uh, and I love the old Testament. Even as a little kid, I loved it. Um, and then I went through catechism classes in my early teen years and I was a kid in the back room and raised my hand. The pastor would sweat. He's like, not again. And I'd say, if the Bible says to do this, how come we don't do it? If Martin Luther said to not do that, why do we do it? I don't understand. Why 
why don't we follow the principles that we claim to adhere to? And I'll, I'll answer your question after class. <laughs> and it never got answered. Uh, and so then I, I got born again and saved in 1976 at a Jimmy Swaggart crusade in Long Beach Auditorium. And I was so excited. It's like, you could do this in church? <laughs> People <laughs> had their hands in the air. They were laughing. They're singing loud. They're having a great time. And I was like, I want to go to a church like this. This is cool. <laughs> and, uh, and so I went forward and received Jesus uh, at the time. And uh, it ended up at a Pentecostal church for a little while, Assembly of God, and then a charismatic church, and then the Vineyard in Anaheim with Pastor John Wimber, if you're familiar with him at all. And at Calvary Chapel has always been a big part of my life with Pastor Chuck Smith uh, and all the Calvary Chapel boys. And I used to listen to the Christian radio station all the time. In California, you had to drive 45 minutes to get anywhere. And so I just had the Christian radio station on, listen to Bible program after Bible program. I just, I loved it. So um, fast it forward. Like you have quite the uh, indoctrination to, to scrub to get to where you are. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. In fact, one of the guys I used to love to listen to when I was 16, 17 years old was John MacArthur. Yeah. And uh, John MacArthur is a brilliant Bible teacher. Um, however, he would he would he taught people how to do proper biblical exegesis and he'd go through the process every single thing he taught until he got to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then he went into isogetic mode. Then he said, I prayed when I was in college for the gift of healing. No one got healed. Therefore, the gift of healing doesn't exist anymore. And I was like, that's the opposite of what he teaches on everything else. <laughs> How do you jump to that conclusion? And uh, so, anyway, I was, I was disheartened in that. But I used to listen to, you know, Chuck Swindoll, Chuck Smith, uh, lots of Chucks, oddly enough. Chuck Missler. And Chuck Missler is probably Stanley. my first really – what's that? Chuck Stanley. Charles. Charles Manley, yeah. <laughs> He's a Chuck. Yeah. Chuck Mister was probably my first introduction to what I might say is the, the introductory idea to a Torah-observant lifestyle. Because he embraced the true Hebraic roots of our faith and married it to a New Testament theology and uh, experience. And um, and he was brilliant at that. I don't know if you're familiar with Chuck Mistler at all, but... Um, so he was really a, a large inspiration to me. And then it was probably about almost seven years ago. Uh, I was just flipping through YouTube videos and I came across something that was that blew my mind. It was the Shema prayer. I had no idea what it was. And these Jewish kids were singing Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. I burst into tears. I had no idea what it meant and I don't know why it moved me so immensely, but I felt like I got born again, again. And I had to find out what this was. So from the Shema prayer, I started my journey. Uh, started studying. And I came across some of the old standbys. You know, uh, Michael Rood. If you've been in the movement for a week, you've run across Michael Rood. Love him or hate him. He's larger than life. <laughs> and uh, on fire for the things of God. And some of the things he said I found fascinating. Some of the things I sa he said I found a little awkward. But. Uh, but it made me think. It made me question. And so we visited a Messianic synagogue here in Colorado Springs. I got to know the rabbis there and, the, and their theology. And people would ask me questions. Well, you, you know, things like, well, you're a Christian pastor. How come you don't worship God on the Sabbath like you're supposed to? You worship him on Sunday. And so my retort was, what makes you think I worship God one day a week? 
right. I worship him seven days a week. I rest on the Sabbath, and sometimes I come here. <laughs> <laughs> and so the guy's like, oh, okay. Well, where's your seat seat was the next question. And I was like, what makes you think I'm not wearing seat seat? Well, I don't see them. I said, I got news for you. They're not for you. They're for me. They're to remind me of my covenant with my God. Now, if someone chooses to wear their seat seat out, that's their business. That's wonderful. I love it. Um, but I choose not to because it's to remind me of the scripture says very plainly to remind you of your covenant with your God. And, uh, and that's okay. Um, so anyway, so, so I started the journey and started digging and then I, I, I made friends with a rabbi here in town, an Orthodox Chabad rabbi. You're probably familiar with Chabad. And, um, uh, and he was, he was hilarious. He's a very uptight, interesting man. Uh, I learned so much from him. Some of it was just the weird things that he believes and did. It was just startling to me. Uh, and um, and the young lady came to our church at a Calvary Chapel here. Uh, and she went forward to receive Yeshua as Hamashiach. And she was a native-born Israeli Jew. Second generation returned from the diaspora. Her grandparents came from World War II to live and settle in Israel. Eretz Yisrael. Wow. And, um, and her name was Ramon. And she went forward and she came to me afterwards and she says with her Hebrew accent, Jim, Jim, did someone take my picture when I was up there praying? I was like, Ramon, why would you ask me that? She goes, well, as soon as I got done praying, there was this huge flash of light. I thought it was a flash or a camera. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. I said, oh, that happens to Jewish people all the time. <laughs> she didn't get the joke. She didn't know who the Apostle Paul was, Rav Shaul. I had to explain it later. <laughs> But I struck up a friendship with Ramon and her husband, Matt. Matt was raised in Calvary Chapel, and, and they had two little beautiful little kids. We got to be very close friends. They were the ages of my kids, you know, so it was it was a wonderful friendship that we have. And and um, and so I said, Ramon, let's celebrate Erev Shabbat. And so I did some studying. I found the website. You probably found it. Hebrew for Christians. That guy's amazing. A wealth of really biblically, culturally, and historically accurate knowledge about Judaism and the scriptures. And so I, I did the evening of the Sabbath. She made some matzo ball soup. And we had uh, we did the blessing. And over the bread. And we did all that. And it was wonderful. And she, she looked up at the table after we were done with tears running down her face. She goes, that was the most Jewish Arab Shabbat I've ever spent in my life. I said, Ramon, you're a native-born Israeli Jew. <laughs> she goes, we don't do this in Israel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so that began the journey for me. I had to learn some Hebrew. I had to learn the Aleph Bet, and I had to I had to deconstruct my my uh, evangelical Christian theology to re-embrace what the Bible actually says. And so I have what I call my my uh, trigger warning that I like to give. You probably heard me do it. But my yeah. trigger warning is you're not used to having your long-held religious and cultural and biblical beliefs challenged by what the Word of God actually says. Brace yourself because you believe something about that book that isn't in that book. Right. And, uh, and that was my own journey. Uh, I say it with passion and zeal because I had to unlearn things that I, I believed for 40 years. Yeah. And readjust my theology and how I reflect on it. Right. Yeah, I think... Uh... Something that I found too is um, how it seemed like, I don't know if you ran into this because uh, having that, you know, extensive background in, in uh, 
you know, the Bible getting drummed into you, you know, growing up and everything. Um, and, but it seemed like once I came to Torah and started talking to church people about stuff I'm finding, they like completely separated from beliefs they had had that I grew up lear learning. Like, oh no, uh, we're, no, we're not Israel. Wait, wait, I grew up, you were telling me I'm Israel this whole time. But now that I'm saying it and that it means something when you say you're Israel, right. now you're backing away from it. It's like, so right. it's kind of weird because there, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, we line up with and I, I've just noticed people kind of back away from the stuff that they used to hold pretty tight only when like it's in a conversation with me, I guess. I don't, I don't right. know if you've run yeah. into that. I have, I have. Yeah. And and, and it, what I've noticed, it's hard for people to accept their elemental core beliefs being challenged with truth. It's really, really hard, whether they're unbelievers who are being confronted with the gospel for the first time, or whether they're people who've been believers for years and told certain things about the law of Moses that isn't true or accurate to the scriptures. Right. And uh, it rocks the world. You got to go slow. Yeah. Um, when you're first introducing some of these ideas. And I try mm -hmm. to. You know, uh, I try to drop little seeds, little nuggets here and there, like you were alluding to earlier. Don't dump the whole bag of seeds on their forehead. You know, yeah. just drop a seed. Let it grow for a little while. Yeah. 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 And we recently were with a fellowship that was just kind of starting, and that was some of the advice we we gave them is to go slow and try to grow together and don't, right. don't run off and leave somebody behind, especially if you're doing this as a family. You kind of got to grow into it and study it together. Sure, something sure. you said earlier, you know, uh, going in this walk and doing what we've done, you you understand now the parable of wineskins, yes. and that uh, the old wineskin couldn't contain the teaching, and you had, mm -hmm. to, you had to completely break down your whole paradigm and the structures and the things in your mind, and and create these new wineskins to 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 learn this new understanding and not, not that it's new it's actually ancient but right but, right uh, but but yeah that that parable hit me on a whole different level after yes. after deconstructing my faith I'm like, so oh, at one at one point it. while i was associate pastor at this calvary chapel my senior pastor quit and most calvary chapels when that happens the associate pastor is now the senior pastor no questions asked but he quit in such a way that the elders prevented me from taking over the church <laughs> And I prayed about it. I was like, Lord, what should I do? This is very confusing to me. I, I felt like I was, I was, uh, I'm a vineyard pastor at my heart, uh, much about the gifts of the spirit, the move of God and, and moving with that at a Calvary chapel, which Calvary chapel acknowledges those things exist, but doesn't practice them very often usually. And, and yet now my heart's on fire for these, for this true Hebraic roots of our faith, not rabbinic Judaism. That's completely different. That's, that's post rabbi Akiva. That's post fall of the second temple. That's not the same thing as what Jesus and people of his day practiced for the right. most part. So I was like, Lord, what do you, I feel like I'm some sort of weird hybrid. <laughs> I got this Hebrew, Hebraic roots, not Hebrew roots, because that means something I don't mean, but the true Hebraic roots of my faith being lit up inside of me. I'm a vineyard pastor at a Calvary chapel. What are you doing to me? And I, and I said, you made me some weird hybrid. And I felt the Lord speak to me clearly as I've ever heard him. He said, I didn't make you a hybrid i mean because hybrids don't reproduce hybrids are, are sterile um he said i haven't made you a hybrid i've made you a new breed i want to restore 
what was lost 1800 years ago to the church again. And that's the mission. And he said, you can't put new wine in this old wineskin. If you became the senior pastor here, you try to put new wine in this old wineskin and they would yeah. burst. They would yeah. explode. Yeah. And uh, looking back now, I see it very clearly. That would have crushed them. Uh, they wouldn't have been able to contain it. Yeah. Well, and we were in a fellow, my wife and I were in a fellowship for a long time. I was a deacon and there had been a youth minister there. And, you know, we finally looked at each other one day and we're like, why are we doing this to these people? They, they're, they're, they're not, they're not going this way. They're not right, going right. where we're going and we're just going to make, we're just going to drive all these people crazy. Yeah. 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 And, and we were driving ourselves crazy. <laughs> Well, one of the most powerful things I think Yeshua said was, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Yeah. And so when I speak some of these uh, new concepts, which are really old concepts, and I see people's eyes light up and they're listening and they, they're like, what did you say? Then I'm like, I know that's a sheep the Lord's called me to minister to. If their eyes glaze over and roll back in their head and they start to drool, <laughs> I stop talking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think the other hard part is, with someone that is real hungry and they just keep asking questions. You got to like keep yourself from answering all of them because it just builds and builds and builds. And then next thing you know, right. you're dumping seed all over the place and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. 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 You got to let that's, it grow. That, that's it the hard part is when you got someone real hungry and they're asking all kinds of questions. And so you, you were uh, talking about your fellowship a little bit and it sounds like you're, you know, maybe, maybe elaborate exactly what you do and in, in your Torah sure. fellowship. Yeah. So for right now, we've been meeting for about a year and a half in my home. Uh, I'm not against meeting in the congregational setting of a larger group. Um, but I also recognize biblically, most of it happened from house to house. Uh, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, so we meet in our home at Ev Shabbat, the evening of the Sabbath. We get together, we study the Torah portion for that week. Now, I know that's a rabbinic tradition, but I think it's a great rabbinic tradition. <laughs> I think Yeshua observed it to a large extent. And um, it's not a biblical command, but I felt the Holy Spirit speak to my heart several years ago, follow the Torah portion. And uh, so I am. And I'm starting to get in the Haftorah, the, the prophets portion now. Uh, in the next week or so, I'm going to explore that some more because that goes along with each Torah portion. And then, of course, the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament portions assigned to that. Um, and uh, so um, so we meet on Friday night. I have a men's group. We meet on Thursday night. Um, it's a mixed group. I have my friend, Messianic Rabbi Bill Malone. He's there every week. Bill is 70 years old. He converted from Pentecostal christianity to judaism and maintain his faith in yeshua which is really weird <laughs> but he felt like the lord told him to do that he became a chaplain in the air force or the, excuse me the army uh, an assistant chaplain actually and served in hawaii and then he came here to colorado springs is where he exited the air force or the army and then he took over a synagogue for a while and then he came down with um uh, lyme disease and he ended up, by the time they discovered he had level three Lyme disease, which when you get to level three, that's what kills you. You will die from that. After 12 years of being bedridden, literally gets up, eats, goes to the bathroom and goes back to bed for 12 years. Um, he woke up in the hospital and he said, nurse, what am I doing here? Now he's from South Carolina and he's got a Southern Carolina accent. So uh, he's really funny. He's a great guy. 
So Rabbi Bill, you know, he says, nurse, why am I here? And she goes, well, Rabbi, you, you, you've been in a coma for four days. And he says, I have. He goes, I don't have my pain patches on. I'm going to start going through withdrawals. She says, well, Rabbi, are you going through withdrawals now? He goes, no, I'm not. And she goes, I don't think you will. You haven't had one on for four days. Now, before this, if he missed his patch by five minutes, he started to have gut-wrenching pain, explosive diarrhea, and had to get a patch on. It would take him an hour or two to, to get back the medication in his body. He was addicted to piles of pain pills because the, the level 3 Lyme disease, it, it, it destroys your uh, pancreas. So now he's diabetic, and it gnaws on your joints. And so you're in constant horrifying pain. And he woke up. He was in no pain. He had no addiction to the meds. He got the results back from his Lyme disease test, and it showed zero Lyme disease in his body. Zero. He says, Jam, that's a biblical miracle. That's God intervening. <laughs> you know what's you know amazing? Yahweh. Yahweh is amazing. Because I just heard a very similar story. I doubt mm. it's the same guy, but the same thing this this guy who said it he was level four uh right. Lyme disease now this right. was a this was like a, a third party someone was telling his story okay um, but it sounded exactly like that so um, being in a coma must cure Lyme disease <laughs> 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 that's all well, I, showed, I can garner from. <laughs> he showed the doctor in the hospital the blood test results and the doctor read it and he, and he threw it in his face and the doctor said, these are false results. You have level three Lyme disease. You have it till it kills you. Yeah. He said, another blood test. So he went back to his physician when he got out of the hospital and did another blood test and zero Lyme disease. That's amazing. And, uh, and so he meets with us every, and he's a wealth of knowledge. Uh, now he is very rabbinic, obviously, if he's called himself rabbi. Uh, and he's a little more orthodox than I'm personally comfortable with. But his knowledge of the scripture and his insights, he's got that old down-home Southern style, you know. He says to me, Jim, how's your dogs? I was like, Rabbi, what's a dog? <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's a wonderful guy. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so my journey just kind of went from there. I visited lots of Messianic synagogues, made friends with two Chabad Orthodox rabbis and spent a lot of time with both of them. And I don't go to try to discuss, you know, what I believe about the Bible. I tell them, I want to learn what you believe. I want to know what you believe and why you believe it. And so it's been an interesting journey. I learned a lot about Judaism, uh, post Akiva Judaism. And then of course I'm an avid reader. I buy books. I've got hundreds of books in my personal library. And, and I, I'm one of those guys, I have to know the origin or I'm not going to believe it. I got to find out what the truth is. I got to dig and dig and dig till I get the absolute honest truth. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's the way that we both tend to be. And, you know, we, we, that's also how you internalize it and learn it. If you go I agree. Dig and, and then, I agree. then you got it. And then it becomes what you think instead of what right. somebody else said. So, totally yeah. And that's kind of, right. Yeah, that's kind of the advice I would give new people too is you can watch all the videos you want and be able to regurgitate it all you want, but it's not yours until you actually sit down and study it for yourself. Right, and, right. Know, I had to I had to kind of realize that by by living it. So Right, right. Yeah, well, I, I on like TikTok especially I've been attacked by antinomians, you know, and and uh and, you know, and they're they're they think they're they're trying to convince me to become a Christian. They're saving my soul. 
Yeah. Like, tell like, them. I've already been there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah. I believe in Jesus. I believe his blood took away my sins. I believe I confess him as my Lord and Savior. I call him Yeshua now because that's what his mom called him when it was dinner time. Yeah. Nobody knew the word Jesus ever till about 500 years ago. So I call him Yeshua now. Uh, and, uh, you know, so anyway, it helped me educate myself a lot faster because they would challenge what I'd say. And I'd go to the scriptures and I would, you know, have a reply. And again, I have to be concise in that three minute video. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah. I'm always, uh, kind of, I don't know. It's always kind of funny to me that, uh, uh, when people are like trying to tell you, Hey, uh, from the Christian side of it, you know, it's like, you, you know, I made all these arguments before, <laughs> before I realized there was no merit to them. You know, it's right. <laughs> so it's I was like, the one arguing, but, 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 but I don't have to open the door. Yeah. Any new arguments here? <laughs> and then they, it, you kind of can come across as like uh, kind of a jerk because you're like not even listening to their argument. It's because you've already heard it and made it yourself. And it's like, no, right. no, it's, it's just because I've been there. Right, right. right. Yeah. One of my favorite yeah. questions to ask someone who's arguing with me about observing the Torah, if they're a Christian, especially if they're a, if they believe they're a Bible based, solid believing Christian, I say, which one of the Ten Commandments do you not obey? Yeah. Which one? Well, I obey all the Ten Commandments. I said, good. That's the Torah. You're Torah observant. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jake and I did a series uh, called Christians are Torah observant. And um, right. we would go through passages in the Torah and like, you know, with, with most Christians, most people around the world don't do this, you know. And, uh, you know, you can come up with a pretty good list of things that we all agree on, yet don't do right. that. So, right, right. People, right. people are different levels of Torah observance for sure. Right, right. They right. just don't acknowledge it. So, yeah, and I think that's what we have to acknowledge as we travel this journey is we were once them, not that yeah. long ago, and it took time for me to get here. It'll take time for them to get where God's taking them. Yeah. So we need to yeah. love them and be patient and kind and nurture them and help them through. Well, that kind of brings me to the the next thing that I had. And my last question is, I'm going to change it a little bit from what I wrote down to you. Um, but, you know, in this social media world, especially specifically TikTok, Torah, in the Torah community, you know, right. what do you think is, is the thing that's most lacking in this? Um, you know, is it? you know, or, or what direction should it, should it be going in? I don't know if you've thought about that before. But oh, yes. Yes. I was shocked at the vitriol and the hostility of people who clearly are both believers in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Clearly both believe in the Bible. Clearly both believe Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross for their sins and yet vitriolically attack each other. With yeah. anger and hostility. One guy's face turns beet red and swells up. Mm -hmm. and I was like, brother, where's the love, man? Yeah. Um, and so so even when people really attack me, there's one gentleman, his name's Kofi. Uh, he's very anti-missionary. He's a fan of Tovia Singer. Yeah. Uh, and he's kind of ridden my back for a while. And I just keep telling him, Kofi, I love you in Jesus' name. Yeshua is Messiah. And he give me his written answers or whatever and and i'd say kofi i'm praying for you he'd say don't pray for me don't pray for me you pagan <laughs> <laughs> and finally he just got bored of hearing me tell him i'm going to pray for him and love him into the kingdom. <laughs> and uh and i and i you know he's like now next you're going to tell me i'm going to go to hell I said kofi i've never said that to you once and i never will 
because that's between you and Hashem, because he claims to be Jewish. And, uh, and I know enough Hebrewisms, you know, to speak their language somewhat. And uh, between you and Hashem, uh, for, uh, for Yom Kippur, your name is written in the book of life or the book of death, depending on how you repent. Where's your name written? And, uh, and that's okay. So, uh, so I think what I try to do is reflect the love of Jesus the love of Yeshua. Oh, sorry, I forget. I keep translating back and forth. You guys, you guys get it when I say Yeshua. <laughs> yeah, we're fluent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're fluent in in Torah observant. And I and I love uh, Yitzhak with taste of Torah. He's a funny guy. He coined the phrase Yeshua observant because Torah observant can mean um, it could mean a Jewish person is Torah observant. They don't believe in Yeshua, but they're yeah. Torah observant. Um, but, but to say Yeshua observant to me, that says, not only do I understand his true Hebraic roots of who he is, but I also believe that the Torah is for us today as well. And, you know, my, my uh, daughter-in-law, she's told people before, you know, I just try to live like Jesus. Right. And, you know, they pause and, you know, they, they really can't say anything to that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Know, they don't, they don't, under, they don't necessarily understand it. But they, you know, it's it's really hard to say that would be wrong. So. Right, right. Because, yeah, because, yeah, it's impossible to say that's wrong if you're a believer. Um, yeah. I, I just take it very seriously and very literally when he said, I've not come to abolish the law and the prophets. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. No, that's, that, that was great. So, and I think, Jake, you had some questions, too. And if you're if you're ready, Jake. Yes, hey, I'm ready. I am. So put your helmet on. Here it comes. No. <laughs> so one of the things I just wanted to ask was about uh, uh, what your favorite uh, biblical topics are to discuss. So, like in your channel, what's what's kind of the direction you kind of want to go with your channel? Like, uh, uh, are you more interested in breaking down Hebrew language? Are you interested in uh, dives into uh, different Torah uh, instructions or more New Testament kind of things or going into Torah portions, that kind of thing. So my favorite thing, my favorite subject is discipleship. How do we disciple people? How do we get back to discipling people? Because the church, I think, generally speaking, has abandoned it for 1,800 years. We think putting someone in a classroom is discipleship. We think making them go through our membership class is discipleship. Uh, whatever denominational favorite you have. Um, so what is biblical discipleship and how do we walk people down that path? And, uh, and so that's really my, my, probably my greatest passion overall is uh, helping people walk in the footsteps of Messiah. And, yeah. uh, and Ricky, cause you can't argue with that, you know, a, right. a hardcore has to know. Somewhere. What's that? <laughs> that could be a tagline for your ministry. <laughs> Walking in the footsteps of Messiah. Yeah. Yeah. I think somebody's already grabbed it, but <laughs> one, one or two people, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's my favorite overall subject. Yeah. The, uh, and that's uh, a lot of people don't tie that together with discipline. The root word of discipline is disciple. Right. So, yeah, it takes yeah. discipline. <laughs> it does. It does. And that's uncomfortable in today's, uh, you know, microwave oven culture. Right. Uh, you guys aren't old enough, but I remember a day before microwaves. <laughs> Imagine that. Did, you could no, just put it in the box and pull something hot out. 
Well, that, uh, I remember that too. Cause I remember <laughs> the, the first one that came out, um, my uncle or something had one and it was called uh, a mana radar range. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Those go back to the fifties. Don't they? Like, what's a radar range? Radar range. <laughs> they bombard <laughs> your food with radar. <laughs> yeah. Literally. But yeah, now, yeah, now the things that we get flustered by, it's, it's sometimes it's really ridiculous. And you do have to stop yourself and go, wait a minute. I'm, I'm mad because this took 10 seconds. Wait a minute. I need to reevaluate my life. I think Sid right, is right. crouching at my door because yeah. my pita bucket yeah, that's is right. not done yet. <laughs> you're, you're hot. <laughs> yeah. Okay, just a sidebar since you guys brought up the, the microwave. It heats from the inside, right? As an engineer, right? I know, I know um, how microwaves work. Okay, heats Do up you. the fluid from the inside, the water molecules on the inside, and it heats it up from the inside. Then, how come when I dig into my mashed potatoes, the middle is still cold? That's my question. Because <laughs> it's all a lie. That's right. It's all <laughs> your microwaves are actually flat, not round. Exactly. <laughs> See this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's a hot button subject. <laughs> it is a microwave. So, actually, I don't own a microwave. But uh, so my next question, which is Bible related, was uh, um, so I saw in a couple of your videos, uh, one, of, one of your listeners keeps hammering you on these uh, eight day people. Uh, which right. Matt and I guess would call the sixth day people. Um, right. And real quick, our stance would be uh, there were there were people uh, created outside of the garden, and then the uh, Adam and Eve tale in the garden is a specific uh, couple that was made in to be in the garden. And right. the idea would be that he is going to go out and be a priest to the nations, essentially. And that's mm -hmm. the original plan. So, um, so that would be kind of the way we look at it. Sure. Um, and some of the videos I saw, you were kind of the way you described it maybe wasn't as clear to know kind of right. where you stand on that. So, uh, sure, I just sure. want to give you the chance to clear up. Yeah. yeah how, how you're looking at that. Yeah. So first thing I like to mention on these type of subjects, this is not essential to salvation. If right. you believe differently than I do, I don't call you a heretic and start throwing rocks at you. Yeah, uh, we hopefully do you don't do the same. <laughs> we do with each other. Yeah. Uh, and so, so there's lots of room for theory and ideas, you know, um, and, uh, uh, you know, and it's so, yeah, so generally speaking, I tend to take that first chapter of Genesis very, very literal. Um, I understand why someone would say that Adam Adama, you know, represents a grouping of people and Ahava represents a grouping of people. I understand genetically why that's important scientifically, because you need a larger gene pool than just two people to come up with a diversified genetic profile. Um, now, I, I've listened to lots of people over the decades teach about that. Some say that because Adam and Eve were genetically perfect, we probably would not physically recognize them if we saw them today because their genes hadn't decayed. They have no, they're absolutely perfect. Now, then you address the issue, of course, uh, you know, uh, incest, et cetera, who their kid's going to marry and yada, yada, yada. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm more and more warming up to the idea that the Torah 
in some form has existed from the very beginning. Um, that's still new to me, if you will, but I'm not against it or opposed to it. I see it over and over. And if you, of course, if you read Jubilees, I don't know, my friend Douglas McCaleck, I don't know if you're familiar with him as an author, but he just recently published a book, which is a harmony of the book of Genesis and the book of Jubilee. And then he color codes everything. So when you're reading Genesis, it's in black. When you're reading from the Septuagint, it's in a green color. When you're reading from Jubilees, it's red. And when you're reading from the Masoretic text, it's another color. And then he harmonizes it so it makes one continuous explanation. I felt like I was reading the director's cut of Genesis. His name's Douglas McCaleck. Um, he's he's uh, friends with me on Facebook. Um, and the book is called, you can find his book on Amazon. It's called A Harmony of Genesis and Jubilee. He's written several books. One's called The Judeo-Christian. He also wrote a commentary on the Didache, which is beautiful and amazing if you're familiar with the Didache. Um, so Douglas is one of my favorite authors. So uh, oh, I, I haven't, um, what's that? One of the people that uh, we talked about, uh, Joshua Myers, is a cartoonist, and yeah. he has a series called The Law Before the Law. And um, we, we, we had a thing with him one time, and we went through, and, you know, there's multiple portions before the law, multiple moments where, where people are doing Torah-observant things, you know, right. uh, which to me lends a lot of evidence that the law existed. And, you know, as a kid, I was that kid in the back at church that asked the questions. And I can remember the Cain and Abel story. And I right. remember going, dang, how did what he got killed? Well, he, he, he um, not killed, but Cain had this mark put on him and, and, you know, um, all the, you know, that happened to him. And I was like, why, why, how did he know that he didn't do it right or he did it wrong? Right, and right. to me, that 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 alone is is a place where you have to go. There had to be something given mm -hmm. because they knew the right. right way to do it and the wrong way to do it. Right, you know, right. We, we and it's implied. Right. And even in the Genesis version, it's implied that God yeah. told Cain, you, you know what you're supposed to do. Just do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah so I, I agree. And that's a, a new idea for me, but I'm warming up to it more and more that elements of the Torah of Moses existed historically all the way back to Adam. Well, and, and I think it makes sense that, you know, Adam and Eve spent so much time walking with the father uh, in the garden, mm -hmm. and especially Adam. You know, we don't know how long, you know, the time works exactly, but, but, you know, right. he, he probably got a lot of information downloaded and he, he knew a lot of things and he was capable of uh, his brain probably just could hold a lot more. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you know, uh, Chuck Missler was actually an engineer. He graduated from the, uh, uh, the, uh, one of the universities on the East coast. And he did a teaching, which, which, um, uh, Jake, is that your name? Yes. Uh, I find fascinating. He's discussing zero point energy the decay of the rate of uh, of the um, uh, of revolutions around an atomic particle and how that relates directly to scripture. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, oh yeah, I was, I didn't understand that most of what he said, <laughs> but wow. an engineer would probably get most of it, or at least a large portion of it. So, but it was it was beautiful. And he talked about how how God loaded up the inertial mass of the universe when He stretched out the heavens like a scroll. He was loading it up with energy. And then when you release it, it's like releasing a, a rubber band. 
um, that energy is now loaded up and then it's and then the machinery continues to go and then he talked about how this the speed of light and the decay of a molecule's speed or excuse me the atom is rotating around the nucleus has been slowing down over time and when you speed them up going back in time that's how you have giant animals like dinosaurs capable today you could cut off their tail and eat it before they even knew you were standing there because the speed <laughs> at which their the neurons pass the ner the, the uh uh, the the input along it would take it would take an hour to go hundreds of miles of neurological tissue, but imagine speeding that up a hundred thousand times, then it could exist and it could feel it instantaneously, uh, and then th that that affects the rate of passage of time, et cetera, et cetera, because as we know, time is affected by mass and speed, et cetera. So anyway, it was fascinating. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's pretty. I don't understand. <laughs> Uh, so, oh, and then uh, yeah, that that's good stuff. Um, oh, you were asking me about the the sixth day or the eighth day. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, this particular gentleman, and I found there's a whole vein of thought on this that in Genesis chapter two, when it starts talking about a more in depth creation of Adam and what occurred yeah. and how he was created, he believed that's a whole second Adam that was created. Somehow he comes up with this fantasy story that Eve was impregnated by Satan and some stories say a falling angel, fallen angel, and then also impregnated by Adam. And so Satan was the father of Cain and Adam was the father of Abel. And, and and I said, now that's a Talmudic tale. You can find that in the Talmud. The Talmud also teaches that Adam had a wife before Eve, and her name was Lilith. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. The Bible doesn't discuss it, so it's not relevant to my theology or my need to understand. Right. I don't personally don't believe that's true. Um, but in the same sense, this whole tale. So, but then when he says when Cain was marked by God, it was black skin. And so, what it is to me, it's racism. It's a way yeah. of getting around and saying people who are black or dark skinned yeah. um, are actually spawn of Satan. Yeah. And uh, and it's just it's just racism going back. And then, of course, we he doesn't do explain how that happened. That. Don't, don't want to go down that road. No, no, we, no. Of course not. And that's what I was challenging this gentleman on 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 his theology. Yeah. I said, so you're just looking for an excuse to be a racist. Yeah. And God is God's, he's no respecter yeah, of persons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a guy named Jason something. He's a South African. You may have seen him on TikTok. Oh yeah, he's got a pretty Christian, Christian, let me ask you a question, Christian. Yeah, yeah, and he's <laughs> he's that way too. I I interacted with him just recently on something, and I'm like, is this what you're saying? And like, yeah. And I'm like, I can't, I can't go there. I'm not. I, <laughs> no, I'm not doing no, that. I, so. And, and, and I find him entertaining. His accent alone is fun to listen. Oh, to. Oh yeah, and he he, he really some good things to say and then you hear right, that and you're right. like no, no yeah it's like no, yeah. no no but you know kind of uh, something a rabbit trail we, we went down uh, a while a while ago was this idea of the wedding and the wedding language it's all the way through the bible that right, basically right. adam and eve get married in the garden under a sukkah and and that that premise to me so there's there's that theme and then there's also the theme of the Melchizedek priest model and I right, feel like right. you know that there, you know this is one of those things that's a theory but right. it makes sense to me that that he had that kind of priesthood and he was supposed to go uh, because yeah. and tell the people around him you know about who who Yah was and what he wanted and uh, right. because that's a theme you know because Hebraic thinking is 
everything is cyclical and, and right. that's a cyclical pattern that you see all the way through scripture. So it makes sense that it was started with Adam. So, I don't yeah. Know. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, and yeah. So that was kind of what, what I was kind of addressing, you know, uh, now whether or not there was one Adam and one Eve and all humanity came from those two, if you don't believe that, I, I don't care. It's I, it's plausible both ways, you know. Um, but to say that there was a second Adam and then Satan had impregnated Eve is there's nothing in the scripture that says that. Is I that, could isn't see that called serpent seed it. doctrine or something? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that's what I've Yeah, that's the serpent it. seed doctrine. And uh, uh, I ran into that quite a while back. Uh, someone that I'm pretty familiar with uh, got into that and. I was like, ah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, you know. And you know, this this person was all about trying to show me, well, the trees are our people, and you know, going through different scriptures that liken trees to people and stuff like that. Right, and right. So the whole point of that was th that idea is that Satan is trying to uh, distort the seed that messiah right. is supposed to be coming from right and, and i think that statement is true i think satan was trying to distort the seed distort the seed that messiah was going to come through but but to jump to these extra biblical conclusions or really in truth they're talmudic and, and i love and know orthodox rabbis who are friends of mine and they love the talmud to them the oral written torah is equivalent to the torah of moses i disagree with them vehemently yeah um, and yeah. i can argue with them about it but yeah, well, one of the uh, places that I always go is um, uh, Genesis 4, the very first verse. Adam knew Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain. Yeah. Yeah, so, how do you how do you avoid that scripture entirely? Yeah. <laughs> now, this that's gentleman would say, oh, well, that's just you're reading the wrong manuscript is what he told me in a little side conversation we had. And I said, OK, then what is the correct manuscript? Let me know what it is. I'll look it up it's right now. Oh, me. I'm holding it in my hand. I'm holding it in my hand. I say, OK, what is it called? What is it called? Now, just tell me and I can look it up. I, I've got a blue letter Bible on my phone. I can look it up right now. And read from the same manuscript you're claiming says something different. He would never provide the reference. And I said, you don't provide it because it doesn't exist or it's not scripture and you know it. Yeah. Um, do you have to look through rose-colored glasses to be able to read that manuscript? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff out there. And that's one of the, I mean, I think that's similar to the problem that Eve got into in the garden was, mm -hmm. was, all he did was ask a question, you know? Uh, right. And if we go out there just searching for, well, this guy had an interesting question. Let me chase right. that rabbit. And now I'm into this thing that's like taking me. It's a snare unto me, essentially. It is. It is. And, it's, yeah, it's you know, it's interesting. Even in that, even that simple narrative, the beta sheet, which we would probably, you guys just read, probably just like I did, you know, uh, Satan accuses God of not you know, really caring about what's going on. And Eve's answer, she added to God's command. And what have we done ever since Adam and Eve? We're always adding to or taking away from God's command instead of just listening yeah. to what he, instead of Shema, what he just said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah. simple. Yeah. But those were, uh, those were the main questions that I had for you. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate the, the questioning on that. And it's something, 
that I'd never dealt with before in 40 years of being a Christian. I would, my roommate in Bible college was Southern Baptist. I was charismatic. So we had lots of long, interesting conversations. And as you can imagine, (laughs) and he loved the Lord and we used different terms to describe the exact same event. And he'd say, there is no second anointing. And I said, I'm not saying it's a second anointing. You know, we go round and round and round. Well, you know, uh, I'm my Bible college uh, experience was I remember being kind of disappointed because I had uh, got I went to this Bible college and I thought, man, we're going to really get into the word. It's going to get deep here. And I sit in that first Bible class and I'm like, seriously, this is what we're doing. Y'all don't know this. Yeah, I felt like I was going back to baby school stuff. Yeah, uh, like first grade Sunday. Yeah, I I felt I had the same problem. I was so disappointed. I went to a big Bible college. I was so excited. Uh, In fact, I went to a Christian high school before that. My first Christian high school, my freshman year, I was so excited. There's all these Christian kids. They're all going to be in love with Jesus and reading their Bibles. I was the only Christian in the whole school. And, um, you know, I was so disappointed. Bible colleges, it broke my heart. One yeah. of the statistics they told me was 80% of the kids coming in their first year believe the basic doctrines of Christianity. By the time they graduate, only 20%. Wow. It's like, what That's are you terrible. teaching people? They abandon the basic doctrines of their faith. Hmm. How is that preparing hmm. them for ministry? Yeah. That's not discipleship, is it? <laughs> no. No. Well, you got to weed out the... <laughs> yeah, the riprap. Yeah. Well, Jake, that's you, crazy. You, did you have any other? You said that was it. That was it for my question. Okay. All right. Unless we want to go on for hours and hours. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so Jim, you have anything else uh, you want to you want to plug anything? Is there anything you want to mention? Have people anything or, we or, forgot to or, ask. or tell us at least one more time where to go to find you? Sure, sure. So on TikTok, it's Digital Pastor Jim, uh, the Wild Branch Ministries. And we're also on Facebook because now they have a big presence there. And I'm developing a YouTube channel. I'm going to start adding more and more teaching. I started doing a program that we call the Torah Zone, and it's based on a Twilight Zone theme. So I started off with doing the voiceovers like, you've entered another dimension, a dimension of sight, of sound, of spirit. The, the, you reach the height of man's fears and the depths of his of his pain, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerazim. <laughs> oh, You've entered the Torah zone. Oh, and uh, so I do. It's really a very light teaching of the Torah because it's designed to introduce people to the concept that the Old Testament is for us today. And how do we relate to it? How do we understand it? And, uh, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, I've gotten four. We recorded two of them today. And so uh, a friend of mine I met through TikTok. She owns a Christian radio station. Uh, it's, a, it's an Internet-based radio station, several thousand listeners across the planet. So she said, I want you to teach and do the, the uh, Torah portion each Shabbat for, oh, for wow. my listeners. Yeah, I was like, that's what I thought. I was like, what? I'm a carpet cleaner. <laughs> yeah. And she said, I think God's anointed you and called you to teach people the Torah. And I want to encourage you to do that. So as a result of that conversation, I started getting very serious about teaching what the Torah actually is and says instead of our preconceived notions. So um, so it's really, really fun. And that'll be posted, uh, you know, on TikTok, I'll have, uh, links and everything else. So. Okay. Is that your the Bereshit series you started on yeah, TikTok yes. recently? 
Yeah, okay. so I was kind of uh, coming off of that, and so I started doing the Bereshit and uh, talking about some of that. Um, so each Sabbath, I want to teach the Torah portion, because we have 10 minutes, I'll have to break them up into little increments, but that's easier to digest. And then what I'd like to do is is get, because I see it as a giant funnel. TikTok is the big end of the funnel. Uh, you know, you get a lot of people looking at you very quick and very short and you kind of, you got to spice it up and get their interest. And my goal is to get them from TikTok to Facebook, to YouTube, and then eventually to my webpage and probably an app that we'll have. You guys probably do something similar with your YouTube channel and things that you guys do. Um, and then the goal is to get people deeper and deeper, further into this walk. Uh, you know, I, I tell people, do we have to obey? Do we have to follow the feasts of Israel? I don't know if we have to, but we get to. Now, someday we'll have to. Yeah. <laughs> Better yeah. do it now. <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. wait? Why put it off? Yeah. Learn it now. Yeah. Why not? It's fun. Yeah. It's the, the have to is a funny question. It's, it's, uh, it depends. Do I have to? It depends. Why right. aren't you? Why you? It's why you keep or don't keep a command that is the issue, I think. Right. Right. What are you afraid of? What's God going to take away from you? What's yeah. he going to add to you? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we we appreciate you taking time to talk to us today, and we look forward to seeing all the great content and seeing what happens. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, I'm friends with uh, Will Will Walkie, uh, Will Turner. He was a little jealous that I was coming on your show before <laughs> he did. So I know he's watching, or he's gonna watch. So I'm gonna say, nanny, nanny, nanny. <laughs> I told Will, I said, it's because I'm a lot older than you are. They're afraid I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, I'm uh, I'm in landscaping, and that is a conversation that happens with older folks with me. They're like, Matt, um, I, I got to have some big plants here uh, because I'm afraid if we do little ones, I may not be around to see them grow. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of a good point. <laughs> All right. A little extra money. We'll get you the big ones. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, we appreciate you uh, being with us tonight. And if you'll stay on the line for just a minute, uh, we got to let this finish recording before we, we, before we both get off. Sure. So, sure, no well, uh, this is, uh, we're coming to the end here and this is uh, Matt and Jake. We've been talking to digital pastor Jim. We encourage you to follow him and what else? Yeah, check out our website, SabbathLounge.com, and uh, follow us on the social medias, and uh, just keep up with uh, your Torah portions. Read your read your Bible. Yeah, read it for yourself. Don't take yeah. our word for it. Yeah, do that first, and then come see what we say, I guess. <laughs> well, this is uh, Matt and Jake signing off. See you later.